I have been um, pondering Hebrews chapter 2. You can turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, as I've been walking through this book again in a, uh, in a fresh way, listening to it on my Bible CD through the week, the Lord has been really uh, giving me this fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but for me, I need that. That's one of my greatest needs every day. Apostle Paul said that was his greatest need. He said in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him. That was the goal of his life. That I may know him. And Jesus told us, remember when he said in, in John 14 to Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know me, Philip, and you know the Father. And so I've, I'm seeing and I'm experiencing in my life that the greater revelation or the more Jesus is revealed to me, the more I know the Father's, the, my Father in heaven's heart, His purposes, His great love towards me the more I understand that. And the greater you and I understand it, the more our hearts and our lives are filled with His wisdom. Like in Proverbs chapter 4, He says, this is the greatest thing. Get wisdom. Above everything else, get wisdom and get understanding. The two go together. When the two go together, Christ is glorified in a greater way in our lives because He becomes in a greater way to us wisdom, righteousness. Let's turn to that real quickly before we go to Hebrews. I was pondering over this verse. I remember some um, months ago, some time ago, Cliff shared this word with us. And it, it stuck to me like a bird to a horse or to an animal. You know, you've seen these little burrs that stick to you. This word really stuck to me. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise... And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised, those things which are considered nothing. What? Oh, that's nothing. You know, we all say that, right? We consider some things in the world as just nicks, as I tell the boys. That's the Dutch word. Nothing. Nicks. Nada. Those things... Those mixed things of the world and those things which are despised, they're counted as lowly and nothing in your life. God has chosen those very things that are not, that He might mollify, bring to nothing the things that are in my life. That no man should boast before God. That's the end result. The result of God doing this kind of work and esteeming the things that we count as nicks, as nothing, as great, and those things which we despise, God values them. The purpose is so that you and I can never boast before God. Not even anyone can even have an ounce, even a prideful thought is nixed. In God's presence, that no man should boast before God. But by His doing, Jesus' doing, I am, you are, in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. So I ask you this morning, dear brother, sister, what is wisdom from God to you like? When you ask God for wisdom, I hope you do if you're one of His children. You come to him like James 1 and you say, God, give me wisdom today. What are you asking for? Him to bring all of your important things to nix 
so He can bring things that are not in your life? Take those things which are in your schedule today and in your heart today and make them mix nothing so that He can, Christ, can become your wisdom that day. Christ becomes your schedule that day. Who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness. He becomes your righteousness. Nothing you can do that day will earn you any credit. You can't earn any money today for Jesus. You can't lay up treasures in heaven today out of your own ideas and ambitions. Only Jesus becomes your treasure that day. Your righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that night you go to bed for real. Not out of your head, from your heart, boasting in the Lord. Glorying in His name, in His power, in His wisdom, in His righteousness, in His redemption over your life that day. That's an everyday experience for a child of God made possible to us by Jesus Christ. Not by any ambition of ourselves or earning it somehow. But Jesus stands ready to offer that wisdom to you and I every day. You know the world... The world is like Proverbs chapter 7, I think it says, or chapter 6, is it is this foolish woman clamoring in the streets, crying out to all you foolish, naive people in the world who are so busy, come on in! Come on in! And it says, wisdom, wisdom also stands in the streets and cries out. So often I find myself crying out for wisdom. And you see, when I cry out for wisdom, when I see myself as, I'm the one that initiated this relationship with you, wisdom, that pursues you, then I can earn some credit that day. But if you and I see that every day, wisdom, Jesus stands to offer us wisdom, Him, His very life. And all we do is respond. Yes, Jesus, I come. I come to you today. And then he gives us wisdom. There's no boasting in that. How can the child boast of just simply simple, humble obedience to its parents that day? They don't boast about that. Our boys never do. Haven't even heard it once. You know what they do boast about? What they accomplish. Something they think is really cool. That they were able to do. But boasting and obedience, have you ever heard of it? No, because you can't boast in it if you just simply obey. There's no obedience. There's no boasting. And what the Lord has been bringing to my heart is this reality. Phil, does your life still have some boastful thoughts in it? How many boastful thoughts are going through your mind where I'm not just talking about a fleeting thought, but an entertainment you know, you know the difference between a fleeting thought and entertainment is? To be entertained, you, we, when we want to be entertained with a movie, we, we take the time out, we sit down, we put on the movie and we watch it. We're entertained by it. The thought life that we are entertained with, Jesus wants to be that thought life. And when He becomes that focus of my everyday walk with Him. It's life transforming. It changes my perspective on what's happening to me today. And it changes my attitude on how to deal with what's happening today. That's become more and more the goal of my Christian life. Is Lord, there's one thing I need. I need a different attitude towards all of life. I find in my flesh there's an, there's an attitude, one core existence in the attitude. It's like the core of the apple. It's selfish ambition. That's what it is in my life. 
And the words in Philippians chapter 2 keep guiding me and instructing me and encouraging me and rebuking me. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Nothing means nothing. Don't do anything from this self, something that's selfish for me. It's empty conceit, that's all it is. When I do something selfish, it's empty and conceit means, it, it's, this, is, this is how I, I think about when I think of conceit. It's the worst pride because it's blinding. Conceit is that which I think I'm right. I really actually believe it. That's, the, that's how I see conceit is I'm, when someone is self-conceited, we say they're full of themselves. They really actually believe they're right with all their heart. Selfishness does that to us. It makes us believe we're right. I have a right to be first, to do this. And it's empty. The end of it, it leaves you empty. But with humility of mind, let each one regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what the Lord has been speaking to me. Have this attitude, Phil, which I have, and let it become wisdom. In Hebrews chapter 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory the exact representation of his nature. You want the attitude of Jesus? Then you'll begin to be like this. You'll become the radiance of God's glory and your very nature, instead of having this selfish nature, will become now the very nature, an exact representation more exact every day, a closer representation of who God's nature is. Boy, that speaks to me. That's amazing. That you and I would have this wonderful privilege. When I look at my my 47 years of life, you know, the one thing I see is just pure, raw selfishness. Such selfish ambition driving my life. Even underneath spiritual cloaks, you know, like preaching, doing, serving people. So many times we can do the exact right things, but out of some kind of selfishness that we want from it. Self-pleasing can be a very spiritual exercise. And it's empty conceit. We become so full of ourselves, so self-conceited. Michael, please don't. But not Christ. He became the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Is that, can you, can you boast in that tonight? Today, Lord Jesus, you upheld my life by the word of your power. Nothing else held me up. It wasn't the strength of my legs. It wasn't the wisdom of my head. It wasn't, it wasn't the energy 
drink I drank, that Red Bull or whatever else, that coffee that got you through the day. No, it was Jesus. That's it. He upheld me by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention. So the Holy Spirit has a word for you this morning. Pay closer attention to me. Pay closer attention to what we have heard. Now, interestingly, when I tell the boys, hey, now pay attention. I'm giving you instruction about something. Maybe we get something new. And I... I tell them, okay, listen, pay attention. We got to, we, we need to, I need to teach you how to do this safely. It's something they haven't heard yet. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? He comes to you and I and he says, those things which you have heard, pay closer attention to them. You see, that addresses something in my life that I need. Because My selfish ambition wants something new from God. Some new thing, Lord. Give me some new revelation I haven't heard. All that stuff that I heard, that's yesterday. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit come to your life and say, Hey son, hey daughter, I want you to stop and think about what you heard last year from me. Pay closer attention to what I have already spoken to you in your life. And the way that that convicts me, brothers and sisters, is there are, as I look back over my Christian journey, I know there are many things and many times that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I kind of brushed it off. Or maybe I took it and I ran with it for a while and then petered out, you know. And we, we do different things with those things, you know. Sometimes we say, well, we grew in our Christian life. That's kind of old school. That was for then. This is now. We, we have all kinds of excuses, at least I do, about why I petered out with things that the Holy Spirit had given to me even years ago in my life. And the Holy Spirit comes and He knocks on our door. And he says, hey, I have wisdom for you today. Pay closer attention to the things you have heard. What, Lord? I have to go back there? Revisit those things? Yeah. Why? Lest you drift away. Because those words I spoke into your life were to be an anchor to your soul so that you don't drift away from it. And go after your own selfish wisdom. And as I've been pondering this, brothers and sisters, with this heart to have the attitude of Jesus, guess where Jesus has been taking my attention? Anyone want to guess? Where do you think my eyeballs have been going? The Gospels. The words of Jesus. And I found that I can actually be taken up. The epistles are the word of God as well. All scripture is given to us, Paul told Timothy, for instruction, for our profitability. But I found myself, there's something in me that likes clear, simple instruction. Just give it to me straight, Lord. You know, like, don't steal anymore. But now labor with your hands so that you have Not only to provide for your own needs, but also to give to others. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay. Don't lie to one another. Colossians chapter 3. You've put off the old man with his deeds. Now, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. I like that stuff. I can deal with it. Good. But there's something different in the message of the Gospels. Now, Jesus does speak clear truth. But there's... The, the difference, at least for me, is that there is a character study that I have to do 
to receive His, to have my eyes open and my understanding increase of Jesus' very nature. The exact representation of His nature is revealed in His life, not only in His clear instruction. And you see, I've seen in myself the selfish ambition that likes those real simple, clear instructions was plain and simple laziness. Just give it to me straight. One simple command, I can deal with that. Go love your neighbor. All right, love God, love your neighbor. But to look into the Gospels and say, Lord Jesus, I need your attitude towards life. I want to become not only what you said, but who you are. Takes a pursuit and energy from me that doesn't come from my selfish ambition. It needs it it needs an a, a pursuit of Christ in my life. And that's been really good for me. Jesus reminded me of these words in John 14, verse 15. Verse 14 first. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So I've been going back to Matthew and reading through the Sermon on the Mount more intently. And I've been realizing there are things in this sermon that I'm neglecting. The very thing there's the, the King James uses in Hebrews, it uses the word, do not neglect the things which you have heard. And I found some neglecting in my life, I'll be honest with you. And so I like to, the Lord has been taking me through chapter 7, I'd like to share that with you. In chapter 7 of Matthew, Verse 1 through verse 6. We find people who are gored by pigs. Have you been gored by this pig? It's a wild pig. It'll gore you every time. I have a brother who lives in Texas. And I have never seen him. We went hunting for him one time. I didn't see him. But they have lots of wild pigs in Texas. They roam wild, just like we have deer and elk. And these these pigs are vicious. They they love to destroy crops. And so there's open season on them all the time. If you're a farmer, you can grab a, a shotgun or whatever rifle you take, and you go out there, and they hunt these things at night. And three or four guys will go in the back of a pickup, and they'll drive down the field and just pooh! Try to, and these, these things, you have to be extremely, they're angry animals. And they've got this big horn coming out of their nose. Nothing hits you, it'll rip you open. He catches your leg with that, it'll rip you open. I don't know, Carrie. Maybe maybe that big, that big, that big. Two horns? One? I see, two. Josh Josh knows he's the Texas boy. <laughs> Have you seen him? Yep. Two horns to be exact. So watch out. Okay, Rhino has the one horn. I like you guys. You keep me straight. That's why I hang out with you and fellowship with you. Keep me on the straight and narrow. Gored by a pig. Let's look at it. Jesus begins with this simple, clear instruction. Do not judge, lest you be judged. Have you been judged? Any of you guys have felt strong judgment coming from someone on your life? It's like being gored by a wild pig. I haven't been gored, but I, I get the imagination. It rips open your skin. It's kind of someone who's just... And you, you rip open your heart. Right? Doesn't it feel like that? Come on, be honest. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you again. 
Here's the empty conceit. Most of us don't believe that word. Or we would quit judging. We don't take it seriously. I don't. Too many times I neglect that word and I find myself judging the smallest little misdemeanor that someone just cuts me off on the road and I immediately want to judge them. Or someone just says something or gives you a sideways look or does something just to inconvenience you. It doesn't do anything except just a little momentary inconvenience in your life and boom! The judgment just flies out of me. Do you find that? Why is it? Is that the exact representation of the nature of Jesus? No. It's because that selfish ambition, they crossed it. They got in my way. My ambition, they got in my way. And if I really believed it, I would know for certain even the moment that I do it in my thoughts, that the Lord will meet that same thing to me very quickly. Do you believe that Jesus said this? you really believe He's going to? The exact same standard of measure will be measured to you again. God will measure it out. Pour it right back at you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice this log of judgment that you got in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite. See? Empty conceit. You hypocrite. First take out the log of judgment from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck of inconvenience or some little thing that crosses your selfish ambition, you'll see clearly to deal with that. In love. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, pigs. You see, you could throw, you're going out hunting this, the wild boar is coming at you and you could have the costliest pearl, you, you know, your wedding ring, whatever is very, very, you could throw it at that pig and do you think it would stop that pig from charging you? The pig wouldn't care less. He'd run right over it, trampled in the mud. Wouldn't mean anything to that pig. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear Gore, rip you to pieces. Maybe that's why we're so ripped up, tore up, so much of life's circumstances tear us up. I'm speaking to myself. Is there a hypocrisy, an empty conceit in my heart of judgment and I haven't taken it seriously what Jesus said is it is in my life what am I going to do about this I don't know if you're feeling convicted but I sure am even right now standing here right in front of you in my own relationship to you to my boys my wife What am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Walk away condemned? No. Jesus stands offering us wisdom. His exact representation of God's very nature that I so desperately need and you need. He stands here and says, Come, I'll give my very life to you. I'll give it to you if you ask just believe. Verse 7. Encouragement to pray. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock. It shall be opened. He opens up. Can you believe it? That's all. That's all he... All you and I need to do about it is believe enough that we ask. 
believe enough that we begin to seek it, his very nature, and knock. And he opens up the way into his very presence. He is the way. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Do you believe that? I find again, my own empty conceit leaves me so many times neglecting this word, little faith in it. But the truth is, dear brother, sister, this is. As much as verse 2 is the way you judge, you will be measured. It will be judged right back at you. So the truth of these words is. It is. And I was standing the other night on the, on the outside of our deck and you know the, these cloud storms, the thunderstorms that have been coming in evenings and, and, and I've seen this huge cloud kind of move and all of a sudden blue sky opened up and the Lord spoke so strongly to me and said, just like that cloud moves, so circumstances and, and seasons move in your life, Phil, but I remain the same. Above these clouds, Jesus is. Will you believe that? Then ask. Seek. And knock. That should be our full-time occupation of our hearts. Asking. It's so simple. I marvel at how our boys ask. You guys ask for everything all the time. It's okay. Right? Well, maybe not. But I love when you ask. Seriously. I can always respond. Like, Sometimes I say to you, Dad, they said, Dad, I want to ask you a question. I say, maybe or maybe not, I have an answer. Let me, ask, let me give you an answer. I, I love that kind of engagement because it, it connects us. What if, what if they were just silent? What if you didn't ask for anything, guys, for like a whole week? That would be bad. Don't try it. I would feel really disconnected from you. I'd come knocking on you. Michael, are you home? Hey, ask me something. Murky, anything there? I'm going to talk. Ask me something. Anything. I might say no. I might say later. I might say, just ask me something. Can you hear your father's heart crying out, just ask me, child. Ask me anything. You'll find me. When you seek me like that, you'll find me. In particularly, John 14, Jesus, that's why I read that. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. And he said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. Now, I don't know how you've read that, but often I've wrestled with that word. Anything and just by just saying, in Jesus' name, amen. I can ask God anything in Jesus' name, amen, let me win the lottery. In Jesus' name, amen, let my day go well. In Jesus' name, amen. No. The Lord has revealed something of His nature. That it means, what He's asking, what He's telling us is that if you ask, pursuing me, my very nature, ask something from me of who I am to give to you, I'll do it immediately. I'll do it. I stand ready to give you my very life. All of my wisdom. All of my righteousness. All of my redemption. From this, judging and being gored by a wild pig called hypocrisy in my life. Verse 11. Actually, Verse 9, Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf? Will he give him a stone? Really? You're asking 
God for some bread from heaven. From And Jesus said in John chapter 7, I think he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. That wasn't the real bread which came down from heaven. It was only angels' food. Let me give you the real bread. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood or you have no life in you. And after that, many, not of the multitude, of his disciples walked no more with him. Said, this guy's crazy. Are you just as crazy? Oh, of course not. You would never do that. Are you sure? How about we take a little tiny pin and we pop your balloon and we see are you really empty of all that hot air called self-conceit are you am I because I found a lot of hot air in me still and when the Lord took a pin and he pricked that empty conceit when he said I am the real, your real life, Phil. I'm actually all you need. I'm the only thing you need today. You don't need money. You don't need bread. What you need is me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Really? What if God today were to give you no food, only himself, his word? Would you be content? I had to be honest. Get rid of that stupid empty conceit that says I'm not like them and get honest and say I'm not okay with that, Lord. I'd be struggling. I would be. I want some real bread. I want some real money today. I'm working hard for it. It's not okay just to live by every word, Lord. I need some real bread. Money. Huh? Maybe I'd walk away too if the Lord would just give me that. Wouldn't you? Here's the problem. I found myself struggling in my heart. Just like I see our boys sometimes struggle in their hearts when I don't give them some earthly thing they're wanting right now. And I've seen, Lord, I'm just like that. Give me, give me this, Lord. Give me, give me that, Lord. Give me, give me mentality. Oh, I really wanted this and I really wanted that. Oh, Lord, you're not answering me. All the world's wrapped in. We'll deny it again, but we want everything we see. We've got blessings galore and we still want more. And he says, come follow me. sooner you and I get real and honest about it, the sooner we'll actually just stop those stupid, empty, conceited efforts of my life and sit down like Mary and say, Lord, I just want that quiet, listening heart today. Because I need you more than anything else. I'm not saying we don't go to work. I'm talking about the attitude of my heart. That's what I'm talking about. Verse 13. There are two ways that are contrasted here for us. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. It's like walking into the marketplace. Big, broad, wide anything goes here come on in have an attitude you want be yourself doesn't matter you don't have to deal with all this stuff you can just be a Christian believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ confess with your mouth believe in your heart you're saved don't worry about anything else anything will go there but if you want the narrow way the very exact representation of Jesus Christ. Not anything goes. Not here. It's a narrow way where everything goes except Jesus. And this is the picture the Lord gave me. Some of you guys have climbed some mountains, right? 
I remember years ago, maybe in 2014, Reese isn't here, he climbed Long's Peak with me. And some of you other brothers did too. I forget who it all was. And, and there's, this, there's this place as you, as you get up close to the summit, some of you guys who climbed it, you, you know how the path, the mountainside is here, and the path becomes like, I don't know, not, Kerry just walked out so he can't help me with my dimensions, but maybe like that wide. It was so narrow, I'll tell you this, I'm not really scared of heights, terribly scared of heights, but the other side is like thousands of feet down and you're literally, I was doing this. <sighs> as I was walking this narrow way. I I mean, if I would have had a wheelbarrow bringing with me or anything else with me, I I couldn't have made that. It all had to go. And so the Lord gave me this beautiful revelation. It's like, Phil, if I become your narrow way and and you really want my life indeed, it's, it's, it's food indeed, it's drink indeed, you're gonna, I'm going to bring you into these narrow spot in your life on purpose so that in your heart you let it all go and you're okay with having only me with you right in front of you. Only me. That's it. And if you don't, if you take your eyes, I'm right in front of you, I'm taking your hand, but don't take your eyes off of me. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. It's the narrow way. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But I want to give you an indication of one. Inwardly, they're like a ravenous wolf. They bite and devour, like Galatians chapter 5 says. Instead of loving one another, they bite. Have you ever had somebody bite you? You know, it's not very comfortable. And if they do it again, it gets sore pretty quickly. Really annoying. I mean, do you endure mosquito bites very well? That little tiny little bug can come and sit on your hair of your skin here and you can't even hardly see him. Many times we don't even know he's on us until we feel his bite. But immediately, I don't know about you, I just don't do mosquitoes very well. I find in my flesh something happens. Boom! Just like that. I don't even have to think about it. It just bites and I smack. And oftentimes, it's funny, the smack of my hand hurts more than the mosquito bite did. (laughs) But I'm okay with that because I dealt with that mosquito. And I find in my flesh that sometimes I'm just like that. Just it's just a mosquito bite. That's true. Has a long itch afterward. Maybe that's why we do it. And the Lord convicted me deeply about something. Watch out for those mosquito bites in your life. That's why he's saying beware of those false prophets. You see, a false prophet is easily pointed out if, if he's in gross error and, and he gives us some craziness that we can just chalk off and say that doesn't even make sense but Jesus in this context was telling you and I as we walk this narrow way we have to be careful about people who, who their words or their actions are ravenous wolves inside You will know them by their fruits. And so I notice that though I'm not allowed to judge, I am to have discernment in my life. First John chapter 4 says, Discern the spirits. Every spirit. Test it to see it, whether it's of God or whether it's of man, flesh in your life. And it can be in the representation of people Or it can be a spirit that speaks in a still small voice into your mind. A thought. Watch out. As you're walking this narrow way. Because I have found, and I think you probably have too, 
that when I open myself up like this to Jesus, I become very vulnerable. When you get rid of your empty conceit, you become very vulnerable because you're a seeker. And there are many. And Satan, the mastermind behind it all, loves seekers who get rid of their empty conceit and become real God-seeking Christians. He loves those people. And so he immediately sends out a whole army of thoughts, words, and people to lie in wait, to speak words of good-sounding words, to come in the form of an angel of light, like he says in Corinthians, or in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, they have a spirit that has no law. He calls it the spirit of lawlessness. Has no, not anything goes here. There's no law. And in Romans 8, he makes it very clear, lawlessness does not ever deliver me from the power of my flesh or the sin that so easily corrupts me. It has no effect on it. That was Paul's whole argument to the church in Galatia. He said, what, are you made perfect by the law? You began in the Spirit, and now you're trying to perfect yourself by some law? It will never do it. But there is a law that will. Romans 8. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. There's the Spirit of Christ Jesus. He's not lawless. He comes with himself to change me. And then in verse 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended. It's going to happen on every life. It's going to pour. The floods are going to come. The wind, the winds blew and burst against that house. I used to think in my mind it was a little bit more like the water just rose and rose slowly and slowly and slowly and eventually it overwhelmed you. But that's not... That's not the picture that Jesus gives here, at least not this wording. It's like there's a dam upstream and, and it's pouring and it's raining and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, kind of like these thunderstorms happening, it's a beautiful sunny day and here comes a cloud and another one and another one and boom, it rains and it thunders and it storms and it hails and it brings a flash flood into your life. What will you do? What will you do? Be swept away? Or stay? Stand. Remain. Steadfast. Like David said, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. The question remains, will your attitude of Jesus Christ remain steadfast? Like David said, my heart is steadfast upon you, God. That no matter, this is going to happen to all of us. And Jesus said, if you listen carefully to me, these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. And his goal is, to deal with all of our sins and forgiveness and redemption and then to change you and I into that beautiful representation of his divine nature. When this happens, not when the sun's, sure, when the sun's shining and right now we're sitting here and we're maybe getting a little uncomfortable because it feels getting a little long-winded and it's getting a little warm in here. And, but when you're chilling, Where's your heart? 
when you're entertaining yourself, where's your heart? When you're hard at work and you're sweating it out, where's your heart? Where's your attitude? When everything all of a sudden just goes well. The other day, something happened to me that doesn't often happen. In fact, I was thinking, do I ever remember this happening? My day went exactly like I planned it. In fact, so much, I was even ahead of schedule and I was thinking to myself, okay, what's going on here? This won't last. This is too good to be true. This will, the attitude I was having, Lord, this is nice, but whoo, this is so good. This is amazing. Okay, brace yourself, Phil. It's about to change. Something will happen. And the Lord spoke this word to me. You unbelieving heart. Is that what you think about me? Am I that bad of a dad? And I just broke and wept before the Lord and I said, Lord, you're not that bad of a dad. You're a good dad. Forgive my unbelief. The good when, one, when a man is happy, James says, what should he do? Sing praises! When he's grieving, when he's sorrowful, when he's stressed out, let him pray. Dear brother, sister, Jesus is standing right here today offering you and I his very life. Will you walk the narrow road with him, the narrow way? And allow him to become your true bread from heaven. Your very life. Your very existence. And when you fail, he's there to pick you up. He's there to change us. He's there standing, stands ready to forgive us. To redeem us again. When the boys fail, even if I tell them there's a discipline coming. And if they get upset about that, I tell them this. You can redeem yourself. Redemption is always, always there as an offer. You can redeem yourself. The Lord stands ready to redeem us if we'll just come, humble ourselves. Redemption just simply says, I'm sorry, Dad. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Redeemed. Changes the whole attitude. Changes the whole atmosphere of that experience. It'll change yours. And it's changing mine. And I pray that you and I would leave this place paying closer attention to what we heard. It's the very life of Christ. Father, thank you for your word to my heart, to all of our hearts. I pray Open our eyes. Rend the veil. Allow us to see how much you love us. To behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the children of God. Amen.